You're listening to the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Parkinson, and I'm here to help you sell more on your online store. Before we begin, I would love to pay respect and acknowledgement to the Palawa people of Lutruwita, who are the traditional owners of the land on which Unstoppable E-Commerce operates, and pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Today, I am joined by fellow Tasmanian Bronwyn Kidd, founder of Sistomi. Bronwyn started Sistomi way back in 2016. She's gone on to wholesale in over 300 stores. She's online and markets, and she just has an incredible wealth of knowledge to share. And she's just so incredibly generous in today's episode in sharing all of her tips and lessons that she's learned along the way. So let's jump in. So Bronwyn, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Hi, Karen, and also hello to everyone out there listening. It's great to be here. It's so nice to chat to another amazing Tasmanian uh, businesswoman. We um, tend to be few and far between, you know, and people that I chat to on the podcast every now and then. I recently spoke to Amy Imms uh, all about burnout, and she's another Tasmanian as well. So great to have another one on the podcast so soon. Is she? Oh, very cool. I did see her name on your podcast list. So yeah, there are a few of us out there doing amazing things. Um, It's so great. You've got a platform to, you know, put us out there. So tell me, take us right back to the beginning and tell me about Sistomi, your brand, and how it all started way back now in 2016. Sure. So yes, I started it um, way back in 2016, um, you know, I was in my early twenties and I had just done a stint, um, traveling for a couple of years and I thought, okay, how can I travel for the rest of my life? Um, and have that, or have the freedom, <laughs> the dream. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> or at least how to have that flexibility and freedom that traveling brings you. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll start a business and coming up with an idea. Um, I knew I needed to do something with purpose. And when I was growing up, we were brought up in a household with a fair few low waste values, like reusing plastic bags. We had uh, so many reusables, grew vegetables, home cooking, things like that. And then I came across the beeswax wraps and I was like, right, this is my product. This is the product I believe in, I use, and I can sell and I can, you know, talk about. So I started making them at home. This is before there were YouTube tutorials on how to make them. So I taught yeah. myself how to make <laughs> I them. I remember you were quite an early adapter. Yeah, it was one of the first in Australia. So I taught myself how to make them and then started selling them. So I got my first customer by pitching a shop. So I went into a shop in Launceston and, um, you know, I was so nervous. I'd never done this before. And I went in (laughs) and took a sample and was like, hi, do you want to buy my product? (laughs) Obviously with a better pitch, but um, (laughs) the lady said yes. And she bought about $600 worth of product and I was so stoked. So I was able to take that money that she had paid me um, to make her stock plus some more stock. And then, you know, I kept going to pitch people um, and ended up building the amount of stock I had, um, started online and started selling at the markets too. And yeah, Sistomi really grew from there. Isn't it amazing how one little thing 
can change the trajectory. Like if that lady had said no and shut you down, you know, that might have been a huge confidence blow and you might never have got to where you are today. So huge shout out to the lady in Launceston and thank you for <laughs> um, that support early on. Yeah, I've never thought about that. Oh, I always think about like what if one little thing went differently? Yeah, I'm sure I would have gone to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> so you started off primarily sort of wholesale and then you've added markets and then you added online as well. So um, one of the big things, like you mentioned, you're one of the first in Australia. And I remember you, you introduced me to beeswax wraps. I remember you showing me like your machine, how you're making them at that stage. And I was like, wow, like I'd never even really heard of them yet. And then all of a sudden they were everywhere. <laughs> so beeswax wraps, the brand started coming left, right and center. How did you cope with more and more of them coming onto the market after you? Yes, there definitely was a time where it felt like every week I was seeing a new beeswax wrap brand coming off on Instagram. There was one that popped up with, you know, basically uh, a very similar brand to Sistomi, which, you know, I had some words with her. Yep. But yeah, there were so many popping up <laughs> and it actually helped, you know, it at the start, when I first started, no one knew what they were. I was having to go out and educate everyone um, who came to the market stall. Um, And then as more brands came out, there were more people educating, um, sharing the product, sharing the amazing benefits of it. So people started to know what they were. And I think it actually helped our sales for a couple of years. Um, And especially as the war on waste came out, kind of built that market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And people became more conscious or aware of the waste they were producing. So they were looking for products like this and schools were starting to adopt it. Um, So that gave me a pretty good run in the first few years. But, you know, I stayed strong on our brand and kept developing the brand and made sure we had our differentiating factors. So there were a lot of brands out there who were quite They were pretty, but they were quite dull or, you know, used earthy tones and were just for a slightly different customer base. So I thought, okay, um, let's keep it fun and vibrant. It's more of my style um, and there's definitely a market out there for that. So we were different in our own way to the other brands, but I think it did affect Sistomi in the last couple of years as you know, the market share has got larger, cheaper options have come out, um, which has definitely been a big challenge. And companies like Kmart and Woolworths are now selling the same products or very similar products for a lot less, like a fraction of the price. So throughout that time when that started happening, I really just had to look at new opportunities and keep adjusting our offerings. And I brought out corporate gifting, which was an absolute lifesaver and rebranded the wraps and the other products. And that brought in bigger order volumes and less work. You know, why sell a $50 product when you can sell $5,000 worth of product in one go? So yes, it has um, affected me in multiple ways. Yeah. I love that you actually looked for new opportunities though. And yeah, the the idea of like, you know, we get so many corporate gifts and they tend to be, you know, I think your swag bags full of like single use stuff or stuff that ends up in the bin because no one actually wanted it in the first place. So the idea of giving something sustainable and that's actually going to reduce waste as your corporate branded stuff, I think is really amazing. That's right. And so many companies are more aware now, uh, you know, they've got the ESG to 
guide their decisions and they are looking for more sustainable products and if they're not I think they should be because should it's be. yeah. um, great branding and it shows your values it um, really puts your values first um, you know on that product that you gift people so yeah I wish more companies would do reusable or sustainable products yeah amazing so you've grown a lot over the last six years uh obviously you're not just online we mentioned that you've got the huge wholesale side as well so what tips would you give um we've got quite a few e-com stores that do either they've started wholesaling and they're looking for more wholesalers or they're looking to sort of start selling wholesale any tips or advice you can give them yeah, I do. I've learned a lot over the last six, <laughs> nearly seven years of selling wholesale. And yeah, I've sold to over 300 stores. I'm not sure exactly how many, but it is well over 300 now. Amazing. Um, and I've got about five tips to share with everyone. So Fantastic. the first tip is the fact that personal interactions has the best conversion. And this is in my experience. So as I mentioned before, my first, very first sale came from pitching in person and going into the store and had huge success with that in Tassie, just starting in my local area, going around and, you know, contacting the store first before I go in because a lot of store owners hate it when you just walk in yeah, and try and okay. sell them stuff. And another example of this is, in Orange in New South Wales, where my grandma lives, I went into a store there and got my products stocked in there. And they keep buying. Um, and I asked her for a bit of feedback one day. And she goes, this is the owner of the store. And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm only really keeping on buying because your grandma comes in so often and asks <laughs> how they're going. <laughs> and she spends money there. Oh, so um, I think that's just such a great example of how getting to know your customers on a personal level yes. pays oh, off. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, number two is go where your customers hang out. So in the early days, I did trade shows. So I'd travel up to the mainland, pack up my little car and go up there. And that worked to some extent for the first few years. But lately I've noticed a shift in that environment. And there's now a lot of wholesale platforms popping up online, um, like marketplaces where you yeah. can list your products and they do the marketing for you. So, you know, they are yeah. sharing your product with their customer database and it costs nothing most of the time. So there's zero marketing costs up front. You just have to pay a small commission. And in the last probably two years, three years, I've got a lot of new customers through that those platforms. Okay. And it also helped me launch internationally. So I Amazing. sell on a platform in the USA and... Um, I've got, yeah, it was, you know, easy new customers from signing up to this platform. Um, so which platform are you using in the US? Uh, so that one's called fair, just fair.com. And yeah, I had a bit of success with that early. As in F-A-I-R? Uh, F-A-I-R-E.com. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I know a lot of people trying to break into the US market. So that's a great tip to start with. Yeah, so if you're selling wholesale, I think they're great. Yeah, because as I mentioned, you don't have to put any money up front in to cover the cost. It's all free to start with. And then my third tip is to build a list for wholesale too. So as e-commerce owners, if you're not already, you should be building a list, an email database. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, 
And so I have two lists. I have my e-commerce list and then my wholesale list where I collect emails and information of people who have shops and are potentially going to buy from me. So I used trade shows and social platforms to grow this and then sending them out regular newsletters. Um, I just usually did monthly or when we have new products or special sales, um, something that's going to interest them would send out an email. Number four is looking after your stockists and getting to know them. Uh, So one of the best things I did to help get to know the ones that I'd never met in person was just calling them, giving giving them a buzz and just saying, hey, it's Bronwyn from Sistomi, just wanted to check in and see how things are going. Um, and then asking for feedback. And a lot of people really appreciated that. You know, sometimes they just wanted to share a little bit of feedback about the products, how they're displayed, which I could take and improve on. Or some of them actually were like, oh, I'm actually low in those rats. I might get some more. So I was able to get a few sales out of those calls too. And people, I think, are so reliant on email that getting a phone call these days is almost like, you know, getting someone rocking up in person. It's almost unheard of. So that's a nice sort of differentiation getting that phone call from you. That's right. Yeah. And I find some people are a bit scared to answer the phone, maybe the younger generations, but a lot of my customers, (laughs) (laughs) it's not that scary, Karen. Um, But a lot of my customers just love talking on the phone. You know, they're in retail. They love to chat. They love helping people. Um, So I think it's a great option to get in touch with them. And then my final tip is a bit more of a practical tip, not so much a strategy tip, but getting into the nitty gritty. And this is a time-saving one for managing the wholesale. So I mentioned the wholesale platforms like FAIR and there's a couple of others in Australia like Charter and the other name has completely escaped me. That's right. We'll pop them in the uh, show notes for people. So if you're looking for uh, wholesale platforms, they'll be in there. Sounds great. So this tip is about integrating your platforms with your main inventory management software. So at the start, we spent a lot of time managing inventory across the platforms because I used to have a WordPress website. And then we ended up switching to Shopify, which has amazing integrations to (laughs) all of the platforms and the inventory just gets shared across all of them you don't have to update all the products individually you just update it in one place and it gets sent to all the platforms so it was a huge time saver which saved me so many hours in wages so yeah they're my top tips for selling wholesale i love that thank you wholesale is such a big topic for people and a lot of people that are sort of selling online are looking to get into that so We might have to put together an article based on your tips as well, I think, for wholesale. Now, you obviously started out, you made this product at home to start with. You took it to markets and into a few shops. Then you got the online store and obviously over 300 stores for wholesale. How did you adapt from being the product creator that you started to like a full company CEO? 
Yeah, it was a massive transformation when I set out. I was um, definitely not ready to take on a team and the responsibility of running a business. I thought I was, but then the time came and it definitely screwed up (laughs) a few times. Uh, But I think some of the biggest things I did that helped me develop that CEO mindset was deliberately hanging out with the right people. So surrounding myself with people who were doing what I wanted to do already. They say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I can't remember who said that first, but, you know, it's thrown around a lot. Um, So I joined joined a few groups, went to networking events, um, got some mentors in the space, um, and then really worked on myself personally. So tools like meditation and journaling really helped and... I think at the end of the day, it really came with practice, um, you know, learning how to run a business and lead a team, um, which I'd never done before and never had a job previously, like a f- proper full-time job. So, um, yeah, I was really wow. throwing myself in the deep end and learnt through practice and learnt by doing. That's amazing because I think quite often we set out to have this business And we don't really think about, like you started out with wanting to be able to travel lots and have that freedom and potentially, you know, it got bigger than you may have imagined. So, and Emily Osmond, a friend of mine was chatting the other day and saying, actually, some people just want to stay small, but we tend to measure success as like, how many staff do you have? How big's your business? You know, growing every single year. And I think there is a point that people have to go, well, actually, I'm happy playing where I am or at least realizing that if they do get bigger, they're no longer just that, you know, artist or product creator or whatever it might've been that they started at. And they do have to become more of the, you know, like, like, like you've become a CEO, you're managing staff, you're managing, a, you know, a big business. And that is a totally different role that when you first start out selling your own things. So there has to be this internal, I guess, discussion where you're like, is that what I want? And if it is, how am I going to get that support? Because it's not necessarily the skill set that you had starting out. So I love that you've turned to mentors and networking and masterminds and things like that to actually, you know, as you said, you weren't, you didn't have those qualifications on how to manage people and things, but you've actually, you know, learned as you've gone. And uh, you mentioned you made a few mistakes. Are there any sort of what were the biggest challenges that you did face along the way? Um, There were many challenges. I think, yeah, there were a lot of personal challenges and more strategic challenges. But one of the biggest things that uh, challenged me probably two to three years ago uh, was a mental personal challenge. And that was having my identity too tied up in the business. Um, I think as small business owners, you know, when we build it up, ourselves it's our vision it's our values coming out in this public image that we've created and I got to a point where I just really struggled to find motivation to keep going at that point because at the end of the day my identity was so tied up in the business and I didn't know who I was outside of Sistomi and so I worked with a coach to work through that uh, which helped heaps um, and then probably a year after that, about two years ago, I um, had a lot of health issues. So I ended up having what I now know was chronic fatigue and an early stage autoimmune disease, which really threw me around a lot. And that was all 
likely as a result of living in a mouldy house, living in a mouldy rental apartment. So that affected me in a way that I never expected because you just don't expect that things like that are going to happen to you. Yeah. And it got to the point where I couldn't show up full-time. I could only work a couple of days a week. Um, I'd have to go home at lunchtime some days because I was so tired and headachy. I couldn't focus. And yeah, so that was a massive challenge and working out how the business can run while I'm not there full-time was it was challenging but it worked out for the better um because I was able to work out you know systems and putting trust in my team to keep the business running and then so it was a personal challenge and I think from a strategic point of view what we talked about before around bigger companies coming out with really similar products or the same products for a very small Mm. fraction of the price. That's definitely, it was one of my challenges around that time, probably two years ago, I started to feel the pinch of that. So yeah, I have been just shifting things up, trying lots of new things. um, And yeah, there's been times where it's been really tough. Now you mentioned that you had you know, you were only working a few days a week and you've told me that that's something that you still do. So you're only working, you've got this huge company, you're only working three days a week. What are those sort of systems that you've put in place to make that possible? Because I feel like there's a lot of uh, people listening thinking, I would love to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. So it happens most weeks. I won't say it happens every week because there are certainly times where I need to be there um, and show up more. So I did set out with this business uh, to, you know, have the lifestyle of being able to spend my day to a certain extent how I would like to and not be locked into a nine to five. So it's always been one of my goals to, you know, have a lot of flexibility and not work full time. Yeah. So I really obsessed over systems. And basically we recorded all the essential uh, tasks and jobs that needed to get done in the business and, yeah, recorded everything in a uh, just a, a document and had those for each department, so like for production, for management, for marketing. And my staff were trained in how to do this as well. So we had the mindset of do we need to do this again? okay, let's write it down. And so someone has a record of it and that really helped with training people as well. So when I brought on new people, we had uh, a blueprint or like a document that I could go through. Like if when I got a new admin staff member, we could, I could get my production manager to go through them, for example, with the dispatch process. So they knew exactly what to do, what steps, where to put all the information. Um, That helped a lot and gave me confidence to step away and we also obsessed over lean so lean production and the lean management system because we made the products in-house this was incredible I just love this philosophy so much and it's about reducing waste um, which obviously really aligns with Sustomi nicely to the values yeah (laughs) yeah but it's not just about plastic waste it's about time waste, people waste, creativity waste, Mm. movement waste, and looking at where non-value-added things are being done and how we can minimize that and essentially make the business run more effectively. 
And I think the last thing that that the last thing that I did that enabled me to work less was having huge trust in my team. I think a lot of business owners can get caught up in needing to be there all the time, needing to know what everyone is doing at every minute, essentially micromanaging. Um, But that is not me. And I put a, a massive amount of trust in my staff. And I think having really effective meetings too is a great skill to have um, so that, you know, we get rid of all the fluff. It's so easy to just chat for an hour about what you did on the weekend, (laughs) but having a really... Another meeting that could have been an email, yeah. That's right. Uh, But having a really strict schedule helped us to use that time best and everyone knew what they needed to do and so I was happy to step away and let them do their thing. Amazing. I love that. So you mentioned your team. What was your first hire when things started to grow and you realised you needed some help? Um, well, that's taking me back. I think it was a retail assistant for the Salamanca market Yes, it was. So I had someone just work the market to start with on a casual basis. Save your Saturday mornings. Yeah. Yes, I do enjoy sleeping on the Saturday morning. So that was a great (laughs) hire. (laughs) Uh, And then the next hire was in production. So I thought about what was the most inefficient use of my time right now. um, And that was actually making the product because that was something that's very systemizable. So I hired a production assistant um, just casually. Fantastic. Yeah, that's right. So what do you think are the most important things when you are hiring staff? Look, I won't say it's easy finding the right people because I don't think it is. Um, Definitely not. In my experience, I've found hiring on values and a good culture fit first are really important. So finding people who align with the company values and finding people who are going to fit with your existing team. So I had quite a small team. And, you know, we're in the same space with each other for a full day. You know, who are you going to be able to stand being with in a room for a couple of days a week for several hours? I think that's a massive part (laughs) of it for our own sanity when you're a small team. So culture fit and values would have to be the top things when hiring staff. Awesome. Now, if you were to do it all over again the last six years, is there anything that you would have done differently? Yes, there are a couple of things I wouldn't I would do differently. I'm not one to dwell on the past, but I have learnt a few things and I have a couple of regrets. And I think my biggest regret, uh, this is very much a big picture thing, is not focusing on my personal wealth building early on in the business. So, you know, I'm nearly seven years in, I've had several million dollars go through my bank account but then I look back and think oh my gosh what have I been able to keep of that that's right where has all this money gone um and have I actually structured this business in a way that it brings me what I originally set out to do which was you know have a bit more freedom and um essentially earn passive income um so I wish earlier on I got perhaps a financial coach to teach me how to actually build personal wealth um, because I got so caught up in building my business and growing revenue um, that I didn't 
pull enough off the top and have a strategy in place to actually invest early on. But I did start, you know, a couple of years ago investing in shares and um, bought a house and things like that. So later on I started to, but I wish in those early days when business was booming, I um, took a bit more off the top and kept it for me and my future. So, yeah, that was a big lesson, um, which in my new businesses going forward, I've definitely got at the forefront of my strategy. And I would have also signed up to courses earlier on. So if only um, you were doing your unstoppable e-commerce course um, back in 2016, (laughs) it would have been perfect. But, you know, I did join courses later on, but I wish I did something earlier on to teach me those fundamentals because I didn't have any experience in this space. Yeah. It's one of those things you don't know what you don't know and quite often we put off spending money on our own personal development. I do it too or used to and then, you know, when we finally do invest, the biggest feedback that I get is, oh, gosh, I wish I'd done this earlier, you know, because it actually does save you money in the long run knowing what you're doing and thank you for being so honest about the financial stuff because I find a lot of people don't like to share the financial side of business but it's so important for everyone to, you know, hear that from somewhere because you know where else are they going to um be able to talk to people about it and we um have somebody that teaches the profit first system in our business in our course um so she's a profit Profit first first accountant and she's one of the master ones in australia there's only 10 and she has um recorded some bonus training for us which is all about taking out profit from day one and then slowly increasing the amount of profit that you take out but making sure that you're always putting aside so that you actually you know are paying yourself a wage but also taking profit from the top of the business which like you say people go oh I'll do that when the business is going really well I'll do that later I'll do that later and we get so caught up in building a business that we forget to actually you know make sure that this is actually paying us a decent wage for all the extra heartache and work and everything that we put into our business, you know, the literal blood, sweat and tears. It's like, am I actually getting any money? That's right. And we think it's just going to keep growing forever. Like you think, oh, I'll just keep investing my profit and grow it. We'll grow it a bit more and then I'll start, um, you know, taking a proper amount for myself. But yeah, I got caught out with that because uh, what we spoke about before with competitors and bigger companies coming in and taking a lot of the market share. So yeah, hindsight's a great thing here. (laughs) Well, I think that, oh, look, yeah, I don't say, and I I think I put this in my last episode actually, but I um, got offered a profit share of a business that sold face masks in exchange for doing their Facebook ads. And Did you take I it? said no because I was like, who on <gasps> earth is going to buy those? And then oh uh, just a few gosh. short later, the uh, few days later, the pandemic hit and I went, you idiot, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, don't feel bad. We've all got that hindsight moment where we're like, if only we'd done this. Yeah, I could have been well yeah. and truly retired by now, I think. <laughs> Look, I have the mindset that new opportunities will always come up. Yeah, and I think, look, you've got so much that you've learned and I think reflecting, just preparing for today, you've realised that you've gone through so much in the last six years. And my first business, it was before I did marketing or anything, you know, I lost a lot of money. And my mum says to me, well, that was your uni degree because you learnt so much from that experience. And it's so true. So I call that my uni now. Like I never went to uni, but like just being in the trenches Mm. and 
I learned so many things and I feel like, okay, maybe you didn't take out as much profit in those first years as you could have, but you've learned so much now that like, I know that you're helping others through mentoring and things like that, but you've got so much real world experience that you can take that into any business now. And I feel like you're going to be profitable from day one, just because you know so much. So I know that there's big things ahead for you. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. I am moving into the next phase at the moment and starting a new business, which yes, I am structuring slightly differently, um, but I'm very excited for it to set it up right from the start with everything I've learned. Yeah. But I'm interested. What was your first business? Um, more Taz for Less. So it was my Tasmanian discount card. I had no idea what a target market was. I eventually realized I was selling to tourists, but I had a TV commercial and billboards in car parks. So I was like all over the place. You know, I had like this $16,000 TV commercial. Wow. And it was for tourists that don't watch you don't local hear that TV. Much. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I kind of got some advice early on that probably wasn't the best advice because I tended to take the advice from the people that were selling those things like the TV commercials. And, you know, I was young. I was 23, I think, when I started that one. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, cool. That sounds great. Yes, let's do that. I remember I like bought all this merch. You talk about promotional stuff. I had like these little piggy banks and gosh, I had everything. I had like this marquee completely decked out. We spent thousands of dollars getting a custom printed marquee. And then I remember thinking, oh, it's got the date all over it. Like this is going to date next year because the card had like the year of the card on there and we put those pictures of the card all over it. And I'm like so many little things that now, and yeah, that's why I call it my, my degree because I learned so much along the way. And then I eventually went on to study marketing and look back at what I was doing. Going, oh my gosh, I can't believe all the mistakes that I made. But, you know, that's what I try and help people now is to avoid those mistakes that I did. And, you know, my conversion rate was yeah, terrible. My yeah. website was terrible, like so many things. But sometimes you have to go through it to learn exactly, it. Exactly, right. And then, you know, it hurts so much that you never make those mistakes again. Exactly. And I think what you said about taking advice from people is super important. One thing I share a lot in our uh, in my business groups is about the idea of looking at who you take advice from yes. and um, what their credentials are. Like, are they actually suited to uh, or qualified to give me advice on this topic? And in my new business, one of my new businesses with Epic Women in Business in the Masterminds, we are focusing just on experience shares rather than giving advice because I've found people get a lot more value and relevant information if you share an experience instead yes. of advice. And I think it's a great lesson for when, even just when you're having a coffee with your friends, if they're going through something, they're going to take a lot more from sharing an experience or hearing an experience from you rather than you giving them advice. Yeah, it's almost as I bad as that. mansplaining. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's kind of like one of my pet peeves is when I see somebody post into a Facebook group and go, how much would you pay for this? What should I price it at? Or which logo do you like best? And generally that group of people that are in that uh, that Facebook group are not their target market. So, you know, they're getting advice from the wrong people and you know, quite often they take on board that advice and it's all the wrong people or, yeah, so definitely 
get advice when you're starting out, but make sure it's from the people that are qualified to give that advice and people that are actually, you know, have been in the trenches and know or at least know what they're talking about in that particular field. And I love the idea of sharing an actual experience instead of just advice. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a game changer when you start doing it. You're just able to create a lot more deeper connections too rather than, you know, a lot of the superficial stuff that we uh, put ourselves in front of. I'm going to try that from now on. Now, if somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to follow along on your new journey, uh, where can they find you? So you can find me, probably Instagram is the best place. I do hang out there. I don't post much, but (laughs) my personal account is bronwyn.kid or you can check out Sustomi, S-U-S-T-O-M-I on Instagram or even Epic Women in Business, um, which is another business that I've got. Or if you want to reach me directly, I'm happy for people to email me with uh, questions relevant to today's interview. And my email is just bronwyn at sustomi.com.au. Amazing. I will pop all of those in the show notes for today's episode. So if you do want to get in touch with Bronwyn, maybe check out Sustomi or follow along with some of her new businesses. Make sure you get in touch wherever it is that you hang out. Bronwyn, thank you so much for today. You've been so open and honest and I feel like people are going to great. I've been writing notes myself, so I feel like there's definitely some great tips for everyone in today's episode. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. It was a pleasure to be here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're looking to sell more on your online store, be sure to check out my signature program, Ecom Igniter. You can find out more at ecomigniter.com.